Part 2, Chapter 16 Our Duty to Honor and Invoke the Saints Since God often sends us inspirations by means of His angels, we should frequently return our aspirations to Him by the same messengers, the holy souls of the dead, who dwell in paradise with the angels and, as our Savior says, are equal and like the angels, also perform this office of inspiring us and interceding for us by their holy prayers. Philothea, let us join our hearts to these heavenly spirits and blessed souls. Just as young nightingales learn to sing in company with the old, so also, by our holy associations with the saints, let us learn the best way to pray and sing God's praise. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praises, says David. Honor, reverence, and respect with a special love the sacred and glorious Virgin Mary. She is the mother of our Sovereign Father, and consequently, she is our own mother in a special way. Let us run to her, and like little children, cast ourselves into her arms with perfect confidence. At every moment, and on every occasion, let us call on this dear mother. Let us invoke her maternal love, and by trying to imitate her virtues, let us have true filial affection for her. Become familiar with the angels and see how they are often present, though unseen in your life. Above all, have particular love and reverence both for the guardian angel of the diocese where you live and those of the persons with whom you live, and especially for your own guardian angel. Pray often to them. Praise them constantly, and use their aid and assistance in all your affairs, both spiritual and temporal, so that they may cooperate with your intentions. When the great Peter Faber, first priest, first preacher, and first lector in theology in the Holy Company of the name of Jesus, and first companion of the Blessed Ignatius, its founder, was on his return journey one day from Germany, where he had performed great services for the glory of our Lord and was traveling through this diocese, the place of his birth, he told one day how he had passed through many heretical places and had gained countless consolations from the guardian angels of the various parishes and, on repeated occasions, had received the most sensible and convincing proofs of their protection. Sometimes they preserved him from the snares of his enemies, at other times they rendered several souls more mild and tractable for receiving from him the doctrine of salvation. He related this so earnestly that a gentlewoman, then young, who heard it from his own mouth, repeated it with great feeling only four years ago, that is to say, about sixty years after he had told it. Last year I had the consolation of consecrating an altar on the spot where God was pleased that this holy man would be born, in a little village called Villaray, in the midst of our most craggy mountains. Choose certain particular saints whose lives you can best appreciate and imitate, and in whose intercession you may have particular confidence. The saint whose name you bear was already assigned to you at baptism. Part 2, Chapter 17 How We Must Hear the Word of God Be devoted to the Word of God, whether you hear it in familiar conversation with spiritual friends or in sermons. Always listen to it with attention and reverence. Make good use of it. Do not let it fall to earth, but take it into your heart like a precious bomb. Do all this after the example of the Most Holy Virgin, for she carefully kept in her heart 
all the words spoken in praise of her child. Remember that our Lord gathers up the words we speak to him in prayer in measure with the way we gather up those he speaks to us by his preaching. Always have at hand some approved book of devotion, such as those of St. Bonaventure, Gerson, Denis the Carthusian, Louis of Blois, Granada, Stella, Arias, Pinelli, Dupont, Avila, the spiritual combat, St. Augustine's Confessions, St. Jerome's Letters, and the like. Read a little of them every day with great devotion, just as if you were reading a letter that the saints had sent you from heaven to show you the way and give you the courage to go there. You should also read stories in the lives of the saints, for there, as in a mirror, you can see a picture of the Christian life and adapt their deeds to your use in keeping with your vocation. Acts of the saints cannot be strictly imitated by people living in the world, yet they can be followed either closely or from a distance. The solitary life of St. Paul, the first hermit, is imitated by both spiritual and actual retirement which we shall discuss later and have already discussed, the extreme poverty of St. Francis by such practices of poverty as we have already noted, and so on of the rest. It is true that some stories provide more light for the conduct of our lives than others do. Such, for instance, are the life of the Blessed Mother Teresa, the lives of the first Jesuits, those of St. Charles Borromeo, Archbishop of Milan, St. Louis and St. Bernard, the Chronicles of St. Francis, and others like them. There are others, again, that contain more material for us to marvel at than to imitate, such as the life of St. Mary of Egypt, St. Simeon Stylines, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Catherine of Genoa, St. Angela, and others like them. Nevertheless, they give us great liking in general for the holy love of God. Part 2, Chapter 18 How We Should Receive Inspirations By inspirations, we mean all those interior attractions, motions, acts of self-reproach and remorse, lights and conceptions that God works in us and predisposes our hearts by His blessings, fatherly care and love in order to awaken, stimulate, urge, and attract us to holy virtues, heavenly love, and good resolutions, in short, to everything that sends us on our way to our everlasting welfare. This is what the spouse calls knocking at the door and speaking to the heart of his bride, awaking her when she is asleep, calling and crying after her when absent, inviting her to partake of his honey, to gather apples and flowers in his garden, and to sing and sound her sweet voice in his ears. For the complete arrangement of a marriage, there must be three acts that relate to the lady a man wishes to marry. First, the other party is proposed to her, Secondly, she approves the proposal. Thirdly, she accepts him. In like manner, when God wishes to do some great act of charity in us, by us, or with us, he first proposes it to us by inspiration. Secondly, we approve it. And thirdly, we consent to it. Just as there are three steps by which we descend to sin, namely temptation, delectations, and consent so also there are three steps by which we ascend to virtue. They are inspiration, which is contrary to temptation, delight taken in the inspiration, which is contrary to that delight taken in temptation, and consent to the inspiration, which is contrary to the consent given to temptation. 
Even if the inspiration lasted throughout our whole life, we would be completely unacceptable to God if we took no joy in it. On the contrary, His Divine Majesty would be offended with us, just as He was with the Israelites, whose conversion, as He says, He had sought for forty years. During this time they would not listen to him, and in his wrath he swore against them that they would never enter into his rest. In like manner, the gentleman who served a young lady for a long time would be very much offended if, after all this, she would not hear of the marriage he desired. To find joy in inspirations is a great advance to God's glory, and by it we have already begun to please his divine majesty. Although this delectation is as yet not complete consent, yet it is a kind of predisposition to it. If it is a good sign and a very useful thing to have pleasure in hearing the word of God, which is like an outward inspiration, and it is also something in pleasing to God to take pleasure in his inward inspirations. The sacred spouse says about this kind of pleasure, My soul melted when my beloved spoke. Thus, too, a gentleman is already very pleased with the lady he serves and considers himself favored when he sees that she is pleased by his devotion to her. But in the end, it is consent that perfects the virtuous act. If we have received an inspiration and taken pleasure in it, but still refuse to give our consent to God, we are extremely ungrateful, and we give great offense to his divine majesty, since we seem to despise his favors. Thus it was with the spouse, for although the sweet voice of her beloved had touched her heart with holy pleasure, she would not open the door to him, but excused herself for a frivolous reason. The spouse was justly displeased at this, and went away and left her. So too, if a gentleman has long paid addresses to a lady, and made his service agreeable to her, but is finally rejected and spurned, he would have no more reason for discontent than if his suit had never been accepted and favored. Philothea Resolve to accept willingly all the inspirations it may please God to send you. When they come, receive them as ambassadors sent by the King of Heaven, who desires to enter into a marriage contract with you. Listen calmly to his proposal. Think of the love with which you are inspired, and cherish that holy inspiration. Give it your complete, loving, and permanent consent. In this way, God whom you cannot put under any obligations, will hold himself greatly obligated to your good will. But before you consent to inspirations with regard to important or extraordinary things, always consult your advisor so that he may examine the inspiration and see whether it is true or false. When the enemy sees a soul ready to consent to inspirations, he often proposes false ones in order to deceive it. He can never accomplish this as long as that soul humbly obeys its director. Once the consent has been given, you must diligently procure its effects and hasten to put the inspiration into practice. This is the height of true virtue. To have consent within your heart without putting it into effect is like planting a vine with no intention that it bear fruit. What contributes marvelously to all this is practice of the morning exercise and the spiritual retirement already discussed. By such means, we get ready to do what is good by a preparation that is not only general, but particular as well.